here. Uh, that's all the announcements. You might have noticed that this pulpit has been sawed down about seven inches uh, for our guest speaker today. That's why the microphone wasn't working. I was way too high. Um, and we have uh, Aaron, one of our pastor's elders here at the church, uh, who's just going to share uh, kind of a testimony of where God has the Mapes family in this season. And he's going to bring us some encouragement from the word. And uh, Aaron, come on up, buddy. Pulpit's yours. Thanks, Rory. He took my jokes about it being smaller. I was, <laughs> I came in today, and for the first time, I'm like, man, it kind of feels like they custom fit it for me. This is great. It's usually on a block about, well, it's not seven inches higher, maybe four or five. But anyway, uh, no, good to be here this morning and uh, and excited to, to share uh, with you guys a few things that have been on our heart. But before we do that, let's just um, let's open in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for... Today, Lord, I just um, I'm so grateful for all that you've done in our lives and the in the lives of our church body and family. And uh, Lord, just what you're continuing to do in the season, uh, Father, just pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to move in this service. Lord, so powerful during worship, your presence here in this place, and so many uh, stood up this morning saying, "Lord, fill me. I, I desire, I hunger for you." Uh, and so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to speak through me this morning and through uh, maybe a little bit of our story. And, Lord, I pray that you would continue to move in us all. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to dive right into this. Uh, when Rory asked me if I wanted to, to teach this week or share, uh, I said it's probably more of a share. Uh, and uh, we both kind of said, man, there's probably not, there's too much going on. There's not a, a, an ability to probably do both. Uh, but I am going to lay a little bit of foundation for us this morning. So with that said, I'm going to jump right in uh, because I want to make sure that, that I can adequately have time to share a little bit more uh, with you guys about just uh, this season of time. Uh, many of you are new and uh, just what a, what a great thing to continue to see new faces uh, week after week after week, uh, and yet to see so many familiar faces as well, and it was a part of that, but it's such a bigger picture, and maybe that's part of what this season has, has shown us in these last few years, uh, and something I really proclaimed as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So he gives us a mandate, but what I found so interesting, the more for you guys as well. So I want to lay a quick foundation here um, that we would just see that this is God's plan from the start, from the beginning to the end when Jesus returns and the consummation of all things. This is God's plan. So we could look at, at, at a couple of scriptures and I'm going to start with Matthew 28, 18. Uh, and we're just going to breeze through this. Probably a lot of this is familiar to all of you guys. Uh, as a mission-oriented church, we have talked about the commission many, many times. Uh, but I want to lay, uh, uh, for you guys that like to take notes, uh, and this would be a good time to, to basically, you're going to write four things down. We, we're going to talk about God's mission. We're going to talk about His message. We're going to talk about method, and we're going to talk about means. Okay, So we're going to hit four M's real quickly. So when we talk about God's mission, Matthew 28 is a great reference for that. 
It's familiar to you all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see that that Jesus has given us a mission. And he's given that to, to the church. And I think there's many times that, that, we, like to, that we like to think of that as, as somebody else. <laughs> that's, that's the missionaries that come through. That's, that's the pastor that stands up here and, and speaks on a Sunday morning. But Jesus is talking to his disciples. And, and this is something that the Lord has really shaped in my heart, is this idea of discipleship and that, this idea that we're all called as disciples of Jesus to go. And what that looks like is going to be different in each individual and each family. But it's Jesus himself, the architect of the church, who lays out the mandate. Second, we have the message. And we know that message because we see it in the commission. That Jesus tells us that we're to go and proclaim the gospel to all creation. You guys have all heard that, and there's lots of varying uh, studies that we could do on the gospel. We're not going to do an exhaustive study of it today, but I'm going to read a few scriptures uh, for you. I'm going to start in Isaiah 53, 5, which I don't think we have up here. Sorry, Kristen. Uh, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we were healed. All the way back in Isaiah, he's prophesying of a Savior to come. And he's proclaiming the gospel message even before Jesus comes on the scene as a man, as the incarnate Christ. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How powerful that is. In John 6, 60-69, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, and I probably should set the table here for a minute. Jesus is speaking, and he's got a big crowd of people who are around him, and he gives this very difficult teaching where he talks about his body and his blood and the bread of life. And many people just stand around and say, this is a hard teaching, what can we do? And so many walk away. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's interesting that Jesus is actually foreshadowing exactly what's going to happen as he's speaking to them. And he asks them this question. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? I want you to listen to what Simon says. Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, we have the message. 
You guys look around and you see a world that's, that's without hope. We see hopelessness in our politics. We, we see hopelessness in our leadership. We see hopelessness in our communities. But as believers, that's not us. We have incredible hope and we have a message. And that is exactly what we are commissioned to do. One of my favorite speakers uh, that I like to listen and read uh, says, you know, really, God does not have a plan B. He's got a plan A. You're it. There's no plan B. We are. The church is plan A. You and I, this family, we are plan A. And one of the interesting things that we have when we look at this message is, is really we have Jesus. He is the message. One of my favorite passages of scripture, and man, I got to pick this up here a little bit. He said to them, oh foolish ones, this is the road to Emmaus. And these disciples are telling Jesus what happened because they don't recognize who he is. It's kind of a humorous story. If you want to read it, uh, I encourage you to do it. Luke 24. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures from it from uh, verse 25 through 27. And he said to him, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer? We just read in Isaiah that he talked about it. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Church, we have the message and it's Jesus. It's the gospel. Third, we have the method. I'm going to breeze through these last two because I want to get into uh, what we really want to speak about today. In John 20, one of my favorite versions of the commission, in John uh, 20, verses 19 through 22, and I think we might actually have this one up on the, uh, available for the screen, but it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were uh, for fear of the Jews, uh, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So catch this picture for a minute. Uh, Jesus is, uh, has been crucified. The disciples are in, in hiding. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. Uh, and, I, and I would say that that's probably um, you know, uh, something that we would all expect. In our human nature, we can understand what the disciples are going through here. But Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you. That's such a powerful statement, isn't it, in the midst of of chaos, of confusion, of fear? Jesus doesn't come in and announce, hey, I'm alive. He doesn't come. He says, peace be with you. And I believe he's really laying the groundwork here for them. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then catch this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So we have a picture of exactly what it is that Jesus has called us to do. He's called us just as the Father sent him. We too are sent. We're sent into this world. We're sent into different spheres. Every one of us is sent every single day as a disciple. We go into a world that is in desperate need of Jesus. I think so often we focus uh, as much as we can on methods and we try to come up with, with strategies and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but Jesus is saying, this is the example. I am the example. What I have done, you guys have observed my ministry. You guys have seen what, everything that I've done, everything that I've spoken. You've walked with me. You've been with me. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the teaching. Now go and do. That is the method. It's simple. 
Really, when we think about it, when we boil it down, it's very easy for us to try to to make this a complicated thing. But Jesus boils it down uh, simply to look at me as the father sent me. Now, even so, I am sending you. So we have the mission. We have the message. We have the method. What about the means? Because I know for me, that's that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. We think about all these things. We we understand all these things. Many of us have studied the scripture. You've listened to sermon after sermon. But there's a difficulty that comes when, when we decide that we're going to put into, into action faith. And I love that at the very end of this, uh, of this, uh, of this um, time with his disciples, it says at the very end there in, in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the means. This is the means. I'm going to read from you uh, for you guys Acts 1, uh, 1 through 8. And I can't remember if I gave this to Kristen or not. I did. Awesome. Okay. Uh, this is Luke uh, sharing uh, the story of, of, um, of Jesus. And, and this particular piece of, uh, here is, is with Jesus right before he ascends into heaven. And of course, we know Luke also uh, gives us acts as, you know, this incredible picture of the early part of the church. And wish we could get into that today because it's so relevant. But we're going to read just this, this piece primarily. Uh, acts 1, 1 through 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's laying out for us again the same foundation until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And I've got to believe just in, in my study of the scripture and my understanding uh, that in those 40 days, Jesus probably appeared to them multiple times. And, and, and my, uh, my uh, uh, firm conviction is that he probably repeated this to them again and again and again assuring them of what their mission was. But then he gives them uh, an instruction, and, and we need to hear it today. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father, I'm sorry, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Here we go. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will at this time uh, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. And here's the key. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. He's given us everything, including the means. And what a beautiful thing it was this morning to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit and worship and the power of God. And, and Steph and I have, have uh, been just so blessed in this season of, of uh, the Holy Spirit just ministering to us, preparing us, laying on our heart vision and, and desire. But every step along the way, he's been doing that very same thing. And we need him. You know, we studied something called the patristic hermeneutic uh, at one of the sessions that we went to doing ministry to Muslims. And, uh, and it was powerful. Uh, I'm not here to talk today necessarily about doing ministry to Muslims, but I, I wanted to talk about that patristic hermeneutic. 
And, and basically what they shared with us was this idea that the early church fathers, who had some wacky things too, don't get me wrong, but one of the great things that they gave to us was this idea that when we interpret the scripture, anything that we look to interpret the scripture, it always fits in back to what, what's already been done, what's already been shown. And, and why is that so important? Well, that's, that's because it fits right into exactly what we're talking about today with Abraham and this plan of God. And it goes from, from beginning to end. And so everything that, that, uh, that we've been experiencing and, and, and growing in and looking back, we wanted to see that it fits within this picture of God's mission. What he's called us to do, what he's called this family to do, what he's called his, his church to do. It's consistent. And it's been consistent from the beginning. And it's going to be consistent until all is accomplished. So, so where does that leave us? Why, why are we sharing today? Um, we've had a chance to already share quite a bit with, uh, with, the, with the elders and uh, with a few people who uh, are in leadership. And, and, uh, but this is a chance for us to, to have some family time and share with our family what it is that God has been uh, doing in us and calling us to. And I thought a lot about this, and I'm just going to leave some, some notes. You'll notice I usually have eight to ten pages of notes. I've only got uh, four today, and most of it was scripture reading. So I've got two pages of notes. I'm just going to leave it in front of me. Uh, and I prayed a lot about this because I wasn't exactly sure how to present all of it. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was a little frustrating to me not to have more than just a couple of pages of notes to work with. And the, the Holy Spirit just assured me, this is exactly what I have for you today. And, uh, and it's really hard to mess up uh, uh, the story of, of God and what he's doing in your life. And actually, I'm going to break from that for just a second because it reminded me of a, of a story. When we were in Perspectives, in such an amazing class, I'm just going to put a little plug in there. Uh, any of you guys who, uh, who uh, just want to know uh, more about God's plan and uh, what he would have and how you might fit into it, Perspectives is a wonderful class. Uh, but one of the gals who uh, was helping to lead Perspectives, her name is Anne, and she was sharing a testimony. They were overseas, and, uh, and one of the people in the church overseas asked her, uh, you know, could, could maybe one or two of you guys share a testimony with the group? And, uh, and this just kind of speaks to a little bit about how we think about testimony versus how the, maybe some of the rest of the world sometimes thinks about testimony. But I just found this amusing. And so she picked out somebody from the group, and, and uh, so when it was time, he came up and, and gave his testimony and shared about, you know, when God had, uh, had led him to faith and, and a bunch of different uh, things kind of leading up to that uh, and shared it. And, and, uh, and he got done and sat down and the leader from the, from the uh, indigenous church got up and said, that's it. And, she's, uh, and, and they were all, what do you mean? And he's like, well, that, that's what God did. We want to, we talk about every Sunday, what has God done this week? And so Anne was saying, I'm really glad that I had him go instead of getting up there myself. So, <laughs> uh, but isn't that the truth? Sometimes we think a lot in terms of what God has done. And, and I'm here to share with you today of what God has been doing uh, and what God is continuing to do in our life. So this is, this is a little bit of our testament, but I am going to rely a little bit on some of the done part. Uh, but really what's, what's the most burning in our heart is, is where we're at right now. But I'm going to start, you know, um, about 11 years ago. Is it 11? Oh, my goodness. 11 years ago, we moved to Primeville uh, after uh, being uh, away for some time. Of course, I, I graduated from high school here and, and pretty much grew up here. I consider this to be home. Uh, and uh, went away for college, met my beautiful wife. And in, the, in that uh, time, we also had our... Um, First three kids, although we moved here when Joe was just a baby. So that gives you a little bit of context about uh, how long we've been here. And, uh, and it's been an incredible uh, season. Uh, 
You know, it's interesting when you look back and you can see God's hand in, in all these areas of life. Can you not? Uh, those of you who have followed him, those of you who are disciples, you, you look back on all the experiences, good and bad, and you see the hand of the Lord in it all. Uh, and that's certainly how we feel. We see the, the hand of the Lord uh, as he brought us here to this place, for this time, for this season. We talked about how these stories align. It's all part of God's story. Uh, and, and he saw fit that our story would, uh, would cross paths, even with you guys here. You are here listening and hearing our story today. Maybe you're new. You're a part of this. So we came here uh, 11 years ago, and, uh, and those were difficult times. Uh, we had a, um, just purchased a company. Uh, was, I was moving up here for business, didn't come up here for any spiritual reasons of any kind, uh, and uh, happened to time it just perfectly uh, with the crash of the economy, which is not a good time to buy a business, for those of you who are wondering. Uh, and, uh, and it was a very difficult season. We, um, we walked through the hardest times of our lives, at, at, at least in terms of, uh, you know, from a human perspective. Uh, and I can remember... Uh, being there thinking, uh, oh my goodness, I am, I, I am at rock bottom. I am losing everything. Everything that I know, everything that I understand, uh, I can't fix this. My life is in ruins. And it was in that depth of, uh, of despair uh, that I began to call upon the name of the Lord again. Out of mainly fear. Lord, I'm losing everything. I don't know what to do. I don't know if my family was going to want to stay together. I don't know. I'm so far from you. I'm so far from you. And everything that I know to be true. And, and I grew up in church. I'm, you know, I uh, <laughs> went to Bible college for that matter. And, uh, and yet I found myself in such a desperate place. And it was after that, around circa 2010 or so, we had been coming to Calvary ever since we had started. I don't know how many people were really in, in, you know, in the know about how desperate things were in our lives at that time. Uh, but God saw fit to put us here. And what a blessing that is. And I know and I look back that, man, that was his plan from the beginning. It was his design. He looked forward, saw where we would be, uh, and he ordained that we would be here. And that's an incredible thing. And about that time, uh, Rory and Lindsay moved to town, which was, which was pretty awesome. It, it all kind of converged at the same time. The people that we've been doing life together with for the last 10 years uh, were right there at the same time that we were coming in and being there at the same time. And it was exciting. Although it did uh, make it a little bit difficult to find a moving crew to come and help us move. So we postponed our move to the following weekend because Rory and Lindsay were moving the previous weekend. And we didn't want to compete with that. So... Uh, but it was such a blessing. And one of the first things that, uh, that I can remember that's a part of this story uh, is that we began something uh, very precious to us. Uh, we began to uh, do a week of prayer and fasting as a, as a church. Uh, and, uh, and given all the things that we had gone through, um, uh, we had started to, uh, to come back around, in a sense, with uh, just trusting the Lord, uh, seeing that life wasn't over, it wasn't going to end. Uh, and, uh, and we began to, to decide that it was, that we needed to participate in that. And, uh, and it was the first time we'd ever done anything quite like that. Uh, I'd maybe fasted a day or two and, and probably the two days I'm sure wasn't intentional. Uh, and, uh, and to the idea of fasting for seven, uh, was, uh, was definitely more than I had thought of in the past. Uh, but it certainly was something that I was anxious to try. Uh, I was desperate. I was hungry for the Lord. 
Uh, and, uh, and so as we fasted and, and prayed, I spent a lot of time. Some of you know this, uh, this story, so I'm going to abbreviate it a little bit. But bottom line is, is God met me in that fast in ways that I did not expect. Uh, and, uh, and I had been carrying around a lot of brokenness and a lot of, uh, uh, I was, I was in bondage. I was a slave to, uh, you know, to my, to my nature, to my sin. Uh, and, uh, and I wanted God to do these things up here that I had in mind that I wanted to receive from the Lord. And, and, and really though, he's such a better, uh, uh, he, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knew exactly what I needed. So while I was disappointed that I wasn't experiencing any of these things, uh, God was looking at this, at this structure, uh, in this house, and he was saying, this house can't stand the way that it is. There's some foundational things that are broken down here, uh, and I need to fix those. Because we can continue to build on the house, can't we? And it, and it can look really beautiful from the outside. It can look like everything's together. You can have a family of, at the time, three, uh, you know, and you can be in church, and everything can look really good. And, and you can even be convinced of yourself that things are fine. But God knew differently, and he knew that there were things that needed to be done. Uh, and so the biggest testimony I have of that first fast is that God came in, and he just completely re- restarted that foundation. He tore the walls of the house down uh, and, and rebuilt that thing from the ground up. And he laid a new foundation that could be built on a healthy structure, could start to be built on that foundation. I don't know if that speaks to any of you here today who might be in a similar place that I was. I'm hoping that several places along the line in this story, it's going to hit a few different people out here that maybe are in different stages right now of what God is doing and what he's calling you to do. So uh, so we... Um, Moved on from there, we did some, you know, some additional fasts, and, and I got to experience a real incredible move of God in my life. And, and, uh, and I began to, to recognize that maybe around 2011, 2012, uh, there just began to be such a renewed, spiritual renewal going on in my life. The Holy Spirit just began to work. Uh, and I began to desire some things I'd never desired before. Uh, first of all, and, and probably the most important, was His Word. I just became so hungry uh, for his word, and, and it, it was definitely a move of the Spirit because I had struggled my whole life with this idea of understanding that, yeah, this is important. I know I should be you know, reading this and in this, but I just, I just don't have the, you know, the, the time. I just don't have the, you know, the desire. Uh, and the more that I began to press into the Lord in these fasting times, and you know, it's a really incredible, powerful thing when you gather as a church and you, and you spend time reading the word together. Uh, and the Lord began to do something in me in that fast that was, that was super powerful. Uh, and, uh, and I remember coming home and, and, uh, and as, as the Lord began to renew my heart, I, I couldn't get enough. I would read chapters and chapters and chapters a day, almost to the point where I'm like, man, I need to get something done because all I'm wanting to do is read the scripture. And yet God was getting something done that was much more important than what I could ever get done on, on my own. But I just remember it was that kind of hunger. Uh, and I couldn't put it down. And I would, I would venture to say, I didn't keep track, but I'd venture to say I probably read the New Testament over uh, at least uh, eight times in the span of, of three months. I, I just kept reading and reading and reading. And here's the interesting thing is I did that. Uh, the Spirit began to speak to me some of the same things that uh, that uh, that I'm going to share with uh, with you that I believe that are really for all of us. Uh, but He began to share with me this idea as I would read this. I began to understand if this is true. I began to ask that question: If this is true, if these words, if if what we read in Scripture is true, and I remember the the day I have this. I couldn't tell you the exact date, but I remember the day clear as as can be. Saying, if this is true, there's nothing more important that I could do with my life than proclaim the gospel. 
If this is true, there's nothing more important that you or I can do in this life but to proclaim the gospel. And as I began to dwell on that thought, the Lord continued to mold my heart. Because it started primarily here, and I couldn't escape it. And the more that I read it, the more it would resonate. And isn't that funny how that works? Like there, Our mind kind of understands it. We begin to put together the rational thoughts first. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time for our heart to, to get it, to understand it. That's probably about, like I said, 2012. Um, we moved into our first house. Man, I... <laughs> I'll skip a couple things. Uh, we moved into our first house, and um, and it was pretty uh, pretty powerful. Not long before that, we had just felt like the Lord was saying, uh, "I'm going to give you this house for ministry." And uh, we didn't know what that meant. Of course, we did a lot of ministry. We did a lot of home groups in that house. Uh, and in fact, even when we did home groups at other people's houses, uh, it was a season when all of our kids were young. And as you guys know, this church has a lot of kids in it. Uh, and, uh, and so in our home group, they would bring all the kids and leave them at our house. And we had a, a two-level house with a basement. And we would just open up the basement and let the kids go nuts. Uh, and it was great because we had about, I don't know, 25 kids there uh, on a pretty much consistent weekly basis while the adults would meet at a different house. And, and those were rich times. And the Lord really began to mold us into, into what this family right here. This family right here, a lot of those times were solidified in that, in that season. And it wasn't long before that, that uh, or, or after that, that, uh, that Rory and, and Kevin and Chad had reached out to me and asked me about the possibility of being an elder. And I had looked at their uh, commitments and everything else. And the first time I kind of thought, man, if they ever ask me, the answer is going to be no. <laughs> it's just too much. There's, you know, there's so much, and I'm busy, and I've got business things going on. And yet the Lord began to mold my heart again and say, that's, that's not the most important thing. Eldering is a call. It is an incredible privilege uh, and, uh, and, and he began to soften my heart, heart towards that. So by the time they approached me, uh, about it for the, for real, I, w- I was definitely ready. Uh, and, uh, and so we did that. And it wasn't long after that, that, uh, the Lord began to, um, through another time of prayer and fasting, we began to seek as a body of believers, as a church, uh, hey, we realize, uh, that there's more to this than just gathering on Sundays. Uh, and we looked at our, at our mission. We were, you know, we're, we're having this kind of cognitive dissonance. We're reading the scripture and we're seeing all this, this missionary work happening. And we're, uh, and we're, uh, looking at our, uh, missionary budgets and, and kind of comparing the two. And we're saying, I don't think we're doing all that we can for missions. And that was kind of the genesis of, uh, of the trips to Nepal being, uh, becoming a reality. Uh, and, uh, many of you know the story. I won't go completely into that, but God just, uh, gave us an incredible contact. Uh, through uh, Rory and Kevin going to a conference and connected us to our uh, to our partners over there to this day, and I look at that and I just see it as one line. Of, uh, like when I look back and I trace it, it's this incredible story of God has these markers, has these points, and here's another marker in that story that's super significant. And so I went to Nepal for the first time, uh, and that was when, uh, you know, um, <laughs> met Pastor Dill, and, and I like to envision this as kind of a, uh, a jigsaw puzzle, right? And as you get to complete the, as you start to complete a puzzle, especially if you don't have a picture that you're looking at, you get pieces in place, you start to realize that the picture is forming. Uh, and it was during that first trip to Nepal that God absolutely just began to speak to my heart. Uh, about missions and about his mission and what he's doing and opened my eyes to see things I had never seen before 
Uh, and it lit a fire and an excitement in me. I was thinking about the, the, uh, the song that we sang, Light a Fire in Me. And that's what happened. Uh, and I would encourage you, if you're on the fence about going to Nepal, I'm just going to put a shameless plug in right now. Uh, if you are even on the, on the fence about going to Nepal, uh, I'm going to say that this is the Holy Spirit nudging you to go. Uh, if you're on the fence and you've been going a little bit back and forth and you're not sure, maybe you're even a little bit concerned, uh, maybe there's a little bit of fear there, I'm just going to tell you right now to go. And as we were getting uh, into uh, the time just before we leave, I remember having a conversation with Kevin because I, I hated to fly. Uh, and I hated to fly, you know, to, to Portland, let, a, let alone halfway across the world. Uh, and, uh, and I remember as we were getting uh, ready, it was the night before, and we were all anxious and a little amped up and had a lot of energy. Uh, and we were sitting around talking, and I was having this late-night conversation with Kevin, uh, one of many that we've had. <laughs> and, uh, but this one was special. And I just remember telling him, I said, if we were to get into that plane, and for some reason, I know this isn't going to happen, but this is just my scared mind, you know, at the time thinking, and that plane were to go down, getting on that plane, that was still the biggest act of obedience that I've ever done in my life. To get on that plane, regardless of what happens, regardless of what we face when we get there, regardless of the outcome is the biggest act of obedience I've ever done in my life. That was, that was life-changing. And we had an incredible trip. Like I said, the Lord spoke some very specific things into my heart. I couldn't even go into all of them because some of them even showed me the next year. See, I know what I'm talking about. Um, just for me, those were powerful moments. But one of the most powerful moments from that trip was... Uh, at the end of the trip, and, and uh, Rory and, and Kevin and his, those teams had been trekking, and we had been uh, with Pastor Dill and Bedour, and we all were back together for the first time. Uh, and we had kind of debriefed and, and shared our stories and all that God was doing. And, uh, and Kevin and I and Rory are sitting around a table uh, outside, the, uh, just on kind of the, the second floor of the guest house there. And I remember Rory saying, like, guys, this changes everything. This changes everything. And I remember just being in full agreement. You're right. It absolutely changes everything. And for the first time in my life, God was opening my eyes to see this bigger picture. And one of the confusing things, and I'll just, I'll just share it, is that as we came back, my heart was so drawn to Nepal. Uh, and it was so strong that I just wanted to go back there. And, and yet the Lord was like, I, but I, I knew when we were there, he was saying, but this is different. This is a different uh, ministry, I have a different plan for you. Yes, uh, you know, it's, it, you'll probably be back here. You'll, do, you'll be able to, to have these relationships. I'm establishing some things. But the, one of the biggest struggles that Stephanie and I had when we came back is she went with me the second year, and we were seeking the Lord. Is this where you would have us? Is this where you want us to go? We're willing to, to sell it all now and go. Is this what you want, God? And it wasn't what he wanted even though it's what we wanted. And that was powerful for us, though. Just that we were willing to go, and we were willing to let go. Whatever God would have for us, we were willing. During that time, let me just uh, also, this is part of the testimony, and uh, I'm definitely going to run a few minutes, but it won't be long. Uh, and so... Um, 
We went through a season right there as we were getting ready that, before that second trip to Nepal, and I had started another business, another company, uh, you know, well-funded, uh, just an incredible opportunity. And we thought, oh, man, Lord, is this what you're going to, you know, is this what you're going to do? Uh, you know, is this how you're going to fund us going over there and the ministry and all the things that we want to do? And so we were, we were beginning to run with it. At first, when we got into it, we were just excited that we were a part of a successful tech, you know, tech company. And, and, uh, but then as God began to shift our heart, he began to shift what we wanted, too. He began to shift our desires. And so we began to think, Lord, is this, is this it? Is this the vehicle now? You know, at first it started out as just a, an amazing opportunity, but is this now the vehicle that you're going to use? And so we began to pray for that and we began to, uh, to hope for that. And then, uh, the funds came to an end and through some incredibly, uh, difficult, but I'm sure God ordained circumstances, uh, our patent attorneys had, had really made some mistakes in filing our patents. Uh, and a deal uh, to sell our company to uh, to another company fell through, and so uh, suddenly, what we thought was was over here as God's plan, uh, we suddenly realized that no, that's not it at all. <laughs> and uh, we went through a period then again of struggle. And yet, how different it was the second time around! How different it was that God had had refocused and and realigned our our, our understanding so that as we're going through the maybe again what would have been the most difficult time in our life no job you know no income not sure where things are going to come from uh, our, we had we had watched God plant faith in us so strong that we just watched Him provide and there wasn't fear we weren't afraid we didn't know what was going to happen next and yet that was okay with us. And God continued to provide, and so many that were in this body, some who are, who are still here, some that, that aren't here any longer, uh, but so many, uh, God used them to show us that, uh, that when he showed me before that I was not the provider, that I wasn't in control as much as I thought I was, uh, this time he showed me I'm the provider. I'm the one. You can trust me. And we did. And we went through, I don't remember the exact number of months, but it was close to a year uh, of unemployment, and yet God took care of us and saw us through the entire way. What if you weren't afraid of losing your job? What if you weren't afraid of dying? Now, in our natural, those, those things are, are hard for us to understand, aren't they? I was afraid to get on that plane in my natural. I was almost crushed under debt and circumstances the first time around when I didn't have income and didn't know what was going to happen. As God began to shift, as the Holy Spirit began to work in us, we began to let go of those fears. We began to trust Him. Obedience requires trust and it requires faith. But something that we've become really familiar with saying around here is that uh, essentially that God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. So that we're going to fast forward a little bit in, into today. So, so we're here and um, we're sharing with you guys uh, that God is, is, is doing a work in us. And a few months ago, I mentioned that we had uh, taken that perspectives class and uh, and our heart has always been missions. That's, that's where our eyes have been. Our heart has been. God has just lit us on fire for that. But we understood uh, that, that our traditional path, at least for this season of time, uh, isn't to go and to, and to plant ourselves in Nepal or uh, in Kenya or Uganda or somewhere else that we have ministry contacts. And how cool is it that God has given us incredible contacts into the unreached world? 
That's the way God works. You know, that is, that is who he is. As we follow him, as we're committed to following him, and, and he begins to open our eyes to see this, uh, he begins to give us the, the means and the context from which to do the work that he calls us to do. So, we, so we're fully confident in, in, in God's plan and what he's called us to. But as, as we were in this class, uh, um, and actually right before this, we went to a, to a conference, Mission Connection, and, uh, and for the first time in my life, I, I, um, I had told Steph, you know what, I don't think, I'm, I'm ready to go after we're done with this season of ministry, I'm ready to go on the field, that's what I want to do. And, um, and in that time, God began to plant some new vision in our hearts uh, of what that would look like to, uh, to pastor and, and possibly plant uh, some churches. And, and, and I began to question, like, God, why are you showing me this? Is this something that, you know, that you're, you're, you're just wanting to, to show me because this is what you're doing? Because sometimes God does that. Sometimes he just shares with us uh, what he's doing. But the closer we got to Mission Connection and the, and the more frequent those things came, I just started to write them down because I, I didn't want to forget them. I'm like, Lord, if this is from you, I don't want to, you know, to, uh, to not be able to remember these things because I don't capture them. And so I began to write them down. And as we were at Mission Connection, uh, it was confirmed in our hearts that God was beginning to speak something new to us about, uh, about pastoring versus, uh, versus going on to the mission field, at least for this season. And the longer that, um, that we began to, to pursue that and pray that, the more that the Lord began to confirm it. And as we got through most of our perspectives class, I, I really uh, be, began to realize that not only was that what God wanted for us, that he even began to lay some things on our heart very specifically uh, about, uh, about even what that would look like and, and possibly even where that could be. But the point being that we began to shift, and it wasn't our shift, it was his shift. He began to call us to something. And as we went to the pastor's conference uh, for Calvary Chapel in July, it was such an incredible time. We, it was maybe one of my highlights of the year. Uh, and uh, so powerful. We met with pastors uh, who, in the morning sessions, we just gathered together. And what did we do? We just sought the Holy Spirit. And we would worship and pray uh, together for two or three hours in those morning sessions, just waiting on the Lord. And it was powerful. Uh, and we had some powerful times of making some connections and uh, and uh, and for the first time, we didn't feel uh, like we were just there with Rory and Lindsay. Because we kind of felt like that at times going to the ones in Boise and other places that we were just along for the, uh, you know, for the ride as part of the, you know, these, we just didn't know anybody. It didn't feel necessarily like, uh, like this was our place. So we had found a, a home there. And, uh, and for the first time, we really felt that that was the way it was. And it was powerful. And we, and, and we both were, were just like, wow, this is incredible. We had an incredible last service where uh, they prayed for, uh, for pastors to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, and just an incredible prophecy, too, about, uh, about coming back this time next year and how much there was going to be to report from all the different churches and pastors because of what God is doing. And I believe fully that that is true. I believe fully that that is true for this body, that we're going to see some incredible things as we seek the Lord. And we left there on a high saying, this is, this is it. We definitely know we're called to pastoring. This is for sure. Like, this is the confirmation we know. And as we were going home, I shared some things with Steph. I won't share them here today because we just don't know all the details yet. Uh, but uh, I shared some things with Steph. And for the first time, uh, I think we both were, uh, our eyes were open that God might be calling us a little bit outside of our comfort zone a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, in that, we, uh, we came to the realization that maybe God was calling us, uh, to take some steps, 
Uh, and while we thought that those steps were uh, with Calvary Chapel at the time, uh, the Lord um, also opened up some doors that we weren't expecting. Uh, and, uh, and he opened up some doors. Um, and, and long ago, I knew in my heart that maybe a potential future ministry, there would be um, some directions that we might need to step and take. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we started that process. And, and, then, uh, and it was more of a, of a, um, of a process of faith. Because we, uh, we didn't have any intention of leaving this body. We love this body. This is our family. Uh, and, uh, and we've been here for 11 years. Four of my daughters have been baptized here uh, by Rory. Uh, this is our home. Don't do that, Steph. <laughs> oh, I had my moment a little bit earlier upstairs. I, you know, I think I'm good. Just give me a sec. <clears throat> Four of our daughters baptized here. God is so good. He's so faithful. This is our family. But I'm here to tell you guys that sometimes, not, not just sometimes, obedience means sacrifice. And obedience means having to say goodbye. Obedience means that this won't be the last time that somebody stands up here and, and announces that, that they are going, that God is taking them somewhere. And there's a big difference between leaving and going. Leaving typically implies, it's primarily about searching for something. You know, people leave churches all the time. People jump from one church to another. Uh, in my time here, I've seen people come and go uh, so often. And I'm so thankful for the ones that have stayed, that God has has brought you here, and this has been where you have also found what we found. This is home. You've, you've found him moving here. You've, you've seen him uh, doing uh, incredible work and the Holy Spirit alive in this church. But leaving is primarily about searching for something, but going is primarily about mission. It's what God calls us to do. He calls us to go. He sends us. So we're not leaving, but we are going. I really can't underscore the amount of the role that this church has played or that God has, has used this church in our family and in our life. The role of fasting and prayer has been incredibly powerful. God has used that to open up our hearts and our minds to, uh, to so many things, both in, as a family and as a church, as individuals. It's been so, so powerful. And we've had a chance to share that with you guys. But obedience does mean from time to time that we're going to have to say goodbye. In fact, I would go so far as to say only when we cease to be obedient are we going to have to stop saying goodbye. You know, one of the most powerful moments of my life at this church, and I've shared it with you guys before, but I think in this context today it's going to resonate maybe more so than the past times that I've shared it. When we sent Chad out to Lapine, the elders gathered together and we were in a meeting and we had been sending pastors to go and to preach in, uh, at Lapine very much like what we're doing in Polina, uh, t- to some degree, only that Polina, uh, well, no, it's, it's very similar. There's a lot of parallels, isn't there? <laughs> and we were sending pastors out in there and we looked and we said, we've got five. We've got five pastors. And this was a Holy Spirit moment. We've got five pastors 
And we're partnering with another church to keep sending people over there. And that body needs somebody to come. And somebody, I don't remember if it was Kevin, but somebody read out of Acts 13, 1 through 3. And I'm going to read that. And with that, I guess, you know, worship team, if you guys want to start coming up too. Or 47, that's not bad. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. I want you guys to listen to this because I think it speaks to exactly almost everything that I've touched on today. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. As I look back at these different markers in our life and our family, as I see where God has taken our church, and as an elder, I've had an incredible privilege of perspective. You know, as people come and go, and, uh, you know, a lot of people that attend, you become, but as shepherds and overseers of a body, you spend a lot of time in ministry. You spend a lot of time in people's lives. And you notice it, I think, far more because sometimes it even stings a little bit and feels a little bit personal when people come and go. And we've seen a lot of change. And we've watched that uh, over and over again. But through it all, we have seen God's hand moving and at work. We have seen him in these times of, of uh, of just incredible moving of the Spirit, guide and direct the vision in the direction of this church. And just like we've watched that, Steph and I have had the privilege of watching that in our life. And we've grown to trust the Lord. I don't know where you guys are at. I can tell you that 10 years ago, the thought of me being up here led a thought of me of going out anywhere, overseas or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, it would have been a resounding, no, you're crazy. But as the Lord began to open my eyes and as we began to seek him, he began to show us that this is the only thing, really, ultimately, at the end of it all, that matters. You know, if we believe this to be true, if we gather here together as a body, we're not just gathering here uh, as a social activity. If we believe this book, what else are we supposed to do? If we believe this, it demands something from us. Belief and action go together. Now, my story is one that I I hope, like I said, hits on different points of different people. For me, at the beginning of this, it was just God beginning to open my eyes to see that he has a plan. And that I'm a part of it. I don't know in which capacity at that point of what that looks like. But just the understanding that if this is true, this is the message. This is what the world needs to hear. And then as we begin to believe that message and our confidence grows. Because I believe I was saved at a young age. I believe that God had his hand on my life even through those darkest, most difficult times. But I didn't have an understanding of any of this. And through this season of time, God began to show us a bigger picture. Guys, it's not that difficult when we really look at it and boil it down. God has a mission. And we're all called to it on one capacity or the other. 
You may be looking and saying, that'll never be me. Some of you might even be thinking, why is it? I I guess I probably didn't share this, but I, I probably should. So we sold our first house and we really felt like God was telling us, this is going to be for ministry. We didn't know what that meant. Like I said, we thought, okay, well, um, you know, when we first bought the house, if this is for ministry, then, uh, hey, we've used it for ministry. There's uh, an awful lot of kids that have spent time and, uh, you know, running around this house. There's been a lot of joy. There's been a lot of home groups. This has been a powerful time. So imagine when we went to sell that house and we thought, man, okay, God, is this the moment? Are you sending us out at this point? And he said, no, not yet. And the house that we were going to buy was in contract, or was, uh, had a, we couldn't, we went into contract, but we weren't able to purchase it. So we have our house sold and we have a house that we can't buy. And so decision time comes. But you know, by this point, we begin to trust the Lord. That even if the only idea for us to, to look, uh, you know, if, if looking at this other house that we thought we wanted to buy was what would get us as a catalyst to put our house on the market, we began to pray like, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Do you want us to sell this house? You said it was for ministry. Is this what you want? So we sold that house not knowing what was coming next. <laughs> Some might think that's kind of crazy, but we've come to trust the Lord. So Kevin, a good friend of mine who's spoken many, many things into my life, says, you ever thought about building a house? So I talked to Steph about it. And we're like, how does building a house fit at all into the mission of God? What in the world? How would that fit into wanting to go? We so desperately want to go. God, what does this have to do with going, and, but, we, but we wanted to lay every option on the table. So we went up and we found a lot. I can't get into all the details, but it was an incredible opportunity. God-given opportunity. So we laid out our fleece. And the Lord met us in that fleece. So we said, Lord, we don't know why you would call us to do this, but we're going to trust you. So we built a house. Not knowing what that would mean, where it would lead us. But trusting that, Lord, if this is what you would do to help us, whatever your plan is, we'll do it. So we're still living in that house, but we had a real estate agent come and take pictures. Why would we do that? Because we're committed to the idea that God has called us at some point to go. We don't know where. We don't know when exactly. But we're taking steps forward that move us in that direction. And there's a church in Madras, a friend of mine pastors, and he just recently lost his associate pastor. And while we continue to raise up men in this arena and given the direction that we feel like God has called us because of influence, and I really believe that's the only reason and change in direction from Calvary Chapel to the direction that he's taking us is so that all the things that God has done in this time together, guys, all the faithfulness, all the good things he's done, All the things he showed us, the going to Nepal, the the bigger picture plan. He sends us out so that we can share that too. We're not leaving because we don't love you guys. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're going. We're not leaving, we're going. We're being sent. And we get to take the same thing that God's been doing in this amazing body of believers and in this church. And we get to go and we get to share that story. And that's what the Lord told me in Nepal. That was going to be part of our ministry. God was going to give us an opportunity to share his heart with other communities. You know, we live in a Western church culture that doesn't, probably most of us uh, would say, you look around at church, there's not many people that are 
that God has done this kind of thing in their heart and in their church is what he's been doing here. And we're nothing special in that regard. We've just taken the time to seek the Lord and he's met us and he's spoken to us. And when he does that, we have a responsibility to share that with others too. And so in this season, he's calling us to go and to take what he's been doing here. And he says, now go make two. There's a church in Primeville that's doing amazing, amazing things. Now you guys go and make two. And maybe once you've made two, go make three and four and five. And you keep doing this thing because God's got a plan. I know this isn't going to be goodbye. I know that we're going to have lots of opportunity. And here's the great thing. For now, in this short season, we're just going to be ministering 26 miles away. For a season while we wait on the Lord to give us our direct assignment, which, by the way, could end up being right back here in Prineville, doing ministry with you guys. How amazing would that be? But it could also be miles and miles away. And with all the things God's put in our heart, at some point it might be seven or 8,000 miles away. We just don't know. But we're going to trust him. We're going to take the steps forward that he's called us to walk in. Next week, uh, we're going to just pray over the Mapes family and have a little uh, fellowship time afterward with some refreshments. And uh, So he just wanted to give a yep. chance to share today so that you guys could know what's going on and visit with him and he could share with you guys some more of the specifics. And, yep. uh, and that's part of what we wanted to, to say is that we are not, this is not our last week. We're going to have another week. We wanted to give you guys a little bit of time to process and not just say, hey, by the way, we're gone. We have a little bit of time. Stuff's going to be at the at the women's retreat. But we wanted to give you guys some time to be able to, to ask us questions because we do believe uh, that God's going to do some amazing things. And I'm fully confident that as we continue to seek Him as a body of believers here at Calvary Chapel, that God's going to continue what He's already started and He's going to raise up one of the, the great things about leaving is it creates a vacuum of space. And I didn't want to leave, and I didn't share this before, but I didn't want to leave two years ago when we, when we started this process because Blaine and Jeremy both were on their way. God had given them other assignments, and we realized this isn't the right time. And on top of that, we entered into this incredible opportunity to purchase this building. God was just moving, and we knew that it wasn't the right time, and we put that on pause. God's now saying this is the right time, but it creates an opportunity. There's going to be so many more opportunities for people uh, in this body that God's going to raise up and send out. We brought Ken on, and it was in that time the Lord just began to speak to us again. So as I pray to kind of close us out, if you stood up today and you kind of said, Lord, I, I do, I want your spirit. I want you to speak to me. My admonition and my exhortation is let him do it. Wherever you're at, from not believing very much at all like me, maybe not at all, to thinking and saying, man, that, that would be foolish to sell your home and go. I'm reminded of Jim Elliott that says, though, he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Amen? That's where we are. But you may not be there yet. You may be at that spot where the Lord's just beginning to show you, I've got plans for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful 
for all that you've done in my family, Lord, as you've called us to be obedient at many points in time. And I can remember that moment of saying, this is the most obedient I've ever been. And Lord, I think now is probably this moment having to say goodbye and really just see you later it's not a goodbye but Lord this is the most obedient now and I hope that it's just one more in line of steps that it's going to be obedient to follow you but Lord as an overseer of this church Lord my heart is also just so so burning for this body of believers Lord as we go we're going to have new responsibilities we're going to have new things that you're leading us into, but our heart is always going to be here too. Lord, and it is our heart to allow our story and what you've done through us to continue to speak to those who are here today. As I mentioned earlier, this is all your story. This is your story from Genesis to Revelation. This is your story. It's what you've been doing since you spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless the nations through you. And Lord, you're blessing the nations through this church and you're going to continue to bless the nations through this people. And Lord, it doesn't mean all of us go overseas. It doesn't mean all of us go somewhere, but all of us are called to go. Lord, we're all going to wake up tomorrow morning. We're going to walk into situations with people who are lost. We're going to walk into situations that are, that are hopeless and people are desperate. And Lord, you've given us the message. You've given us the mission. You've given us the message. Lord, you've called us to go. You've given us the method. We walk into those places every single day. And you've called us to go as the Father sent you, even so we go. And last, Lord, you've given us the means. You've given us the Holy Spirit. So with that, Lord, we close today. And I just pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this body. Lord, on everyone who's here, everybody who stood and said, I want more of you. God, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon every one of them. Lord, from the one who's just struggling with even do I believe to the one who's like, I'm on the fence. I know God is calling me to more and I just don't know what it is or I just need the faith. What if you weren't afraid of losing your job? What would that mean for, for how you can live out your faith in your workplace? What if you weren't afraid of, of, of losing your life and getting on that plane and going wherever God would call you to go? Lord, all of us are increasingly aware of our inability to do that, Lord, but you gave us your spirit. You gave us your spirit so that we could go wherever you call us without fear. We're as free to share the gospel anywhere on earth as we are right here in Primeville, Oregon. Lord, help us to be free here. You've placed us here. Help us to go tomorrow without that fear of what would happen if I share this hope. God, give us faith. Lord, use this church in a mighty way. As Rory said, there's a, there's a need on, right here in this community on First Street. We've got the light. We've got the light. Lord, help us to shine that light bright. Lord, in closing, I just pray over this body. Lord, you would raise up many more. As hard as it is to say goodbye, Lord, we realize that this is just the, the cost of being obedient. Lord, as you raise up more to be obedient, this won't be the last time that we say goodbye. I'm confident of that. As someone stands up here and says, I'm sent. God has called me to go. I'm not leaving. People will come and go all the time. There will be people who leave and people who come all the time, but I am sent. 
I am going. We thank you, Lord, that you've been faithful to us this far and that you'll be faithful the rest of the way, that you will lead Calvary Chapel forward and you'll lead lead the Mapes family forward. And God, I pray that these paths will continue to cross again and again and again. Lord, this is our family. It's so hard to say goodbye. But Lord, we're also trusting you in every aspect of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name.